Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello everyone and welcome to our online broadcast. It's always a wonderful blessing to be able to bring you the Word of God and for us to fellowship around the Word of God despite the times that we are in. I'd like to remind you that our live services have started and so please make it your effort to come and join us in person. It's at 8.30 or at 10.30 or in the evening as well. Uh, last week we had a different message, same theme, but a different message by Pastor Selma in the evening service. And that will also be on the YouTube channel. So please make sure that you catch that one. It's concerning prayer as a revelation, but she brings a very unique angle that you don't want to miss out on as well. Just with regards to today's service is a communion service. So please make sure that you get together your, your grape juice or your wine and your uh, bread. Uh, so that we can have communion. And let me just say this, sometimes we'll announce or say that uh, we're having communion and because you're in the comfort of your home, uh, many people will just ignore that and uh, they'll almost participate in communion through me. Uh, and uh, only communion is communion. That's not the same way you have to actually partake of the bread and the wine. You can't just uh, spiritually partake of communion. So please make it your effort to get some of your bread, get some of your wine. If you if you don't have that in your home, uh, get it during the day and then uh, organize to have communion with with your family. If you're by yourself, have it by yourself. Uh, we've got the uh, Night of Encounters coming up. As you saw, I think it's on the 10th of September. Uh, important engagement that we're gonna have. Uh, prayer starting in the in the late afternoon into the evening. And as a, as a follow through from, from the series that we've been having, it's such a critical time. We are expecting that God is going to impact many lives and transform many people at that encounter as well. And then, uh, tomorrow is our, our first Monday of the month. So we've got fasting and prayer as a church, but the prayer meeting is specifically only for the men. And so if you're in our church and you're a man in our church, this prayer meeting is a priority, so make sure that you come and you join us in the auditorium. We can have up to a hundred men here, so make it your priority to join us so that we can pray for different things, personal matters, we're going to pray for family matters, and then national matters and, and concerning the church as well. And then uh, exciting, uh, as you've noticed, if you were in our service, uh, we've got quite a contraption in our parking area. It is the roof structure, the steel that has arrived and is being compiled and, and put together here, here on site. And so we will soon be having our steel structure going up. We're trusting the Lord for the finances concerning the roof sheeting so that when the rains come, we've got the covering on the building. And I want to say this excitedly that we are believing God that before the end of this year, we will be moving our services up. And so the children and youth will finally be inaugurating their facility down here. And we will then be having our, our, our services going for, forward up top. And that, that means rain or shine. This is what we believe God is giving us. And so we're stepping into our promise regardless of what the circumstances are. And we believe in God that we will at, at least have the roof sheeting up and also that some of the bathrooms upstairs will be kitted out in a makeshift way for us to be able to have services there. So very awesome, very excited 
concerning that. Now, today we're starting a new series. We ended our series on the lifestyle of prayer last week. And this week we are starting a new series called The Lifestyle of Worship. The Lifestyle of Worship. It's going to run over four weeks. Today we're going to talk about worship in obedience. The second week we'll talk about worship in sacrifice. The third week we'll talk about worship in truth. And then the fourth week we'll talk about worship in music and song. Music and song. And so it's very important that we deal with this as a follow-through from our lifestyle in prayer, a worship is equally a lifestyle and will we'll deal with so many things that will open your heart to the worship of God and open your mind to understanding your role and your responsibility as a minister, as a priest, ministering unto God. So let's pray and we'll get into the Word. So Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are always eager to speak to us a word in, in season. And I pray that today will, will be no different, Lord. I pray that your word will open our hearts, that we will have even more delight in you, in our relationship with you. Father, I pray that everyone that is listening to the sound of my voice will be impacted by the anointing of your spirit, Lord God, to break every yoke, to set every captive free, and to bring your promises to, to pass in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today we're talking about worship in obedience. Now, what is worship? The Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew language uh, in which the, the Old Testament was written, or Aramaic, has various terms which relate to worship and praise. Sometimes it relates to shouting unto the Lord. Sometimes it relates to clapping our hands. Sometimes it relates to dancing. Sometimes, many times, it relates to bowing down and kneeling before someone. And um, um, sometimes it relates to musical instruments, the way that you play the stringed instruments, and making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And these are all expressions of the word worship. In English, we have one term that speaks of worship and praise. But in the Hebrew language, it's much wider, equally in Greek. And it's so important that we understand that worship is something that we were designed for. God made us for His pleasure. God created us to respond to his beauty and splendor. And so when we perceive and when we are aware of the wonder of God, worship becomes spontaneous. Worship becomes spontaneous. And most of the time, when we worship something, it is because there is an impression upon our hearts, an impression upon our senses of the awesomeness or the wonder of this being or this person. I mean, we just recently had the amazing um, Tokyo Olympics and Namibia performed so well through the various athletes that were there, the ladies from, from the Kavango area. And it is amazing how everyone responded and just spoke about how amazed they were and how they were blown away by their performances and how they were so excited. And it almost brought a sense of national hope. And in spite of the fact that we're going through an economic uh, recession, and trouble in, in this area and COVID is hitting us there, we at least have this one great thing and it's the, the Boma lady and the Masilingi lady and everything is just awesome and everyone's excited. And yet you wonder whether that's the response that people have when they think about God. 
Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we have made worship so, such a religious term that there is no spontaneous enthusiasm concerning God in our worship. But the Word of God teaches us that we are worshiping God because He is most worthy. He is most worthy. We are giving Him the worth that is due to His name, to His being. And uh, it, it goes beyond the fact that we are recognizing him for who he is because he needs no one. God needs no one to actually endorse his deity, to endorse his greatness. But we are not endorsing and saying, yes, indeed, you are a great God. Indeed, you are wonderful. What we're saying is we are acknowledging what is happening inside of us as we perceive the greatness of God that cannot even be fathomed, cannot even be contained. Revelations chapter 4, verse 11. It says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And so we see here from the book of Revelation that God is worthy of our worship by virtue of his position as creator, but by virtue of the fact, and by virtue of the fact that he is God. And there is no other. He is the utmost, the highest. We exist because he is. And he was, and he is to come. And so all of the things pertaining to the greatness and the beauty and the majesty and the splendor of God produce in us a response called worship. A response called worship. And that response should not be optional. And it shows the, the degradation and, and the fallen nature of man when they perceive God and then they turn their back on him. When they perceive Jesus and they decide that he's not worthy of their worship. He's not worship, worthy of their time. He's not worthy of any effort. He's not worthy of their sacrifice. You know, it's amazing how far we will go for people, human beings, mortal men and women that we think are awesome or talented or amazing. You know, sometimes you see how people react at a, a, a concert of a popular musician, some of them passing out, some of them fainting, some of them crying out, screaming. Many times you see them, uh, these Christians that say, no, in church I don't lift my hands, I don't express myself, I'm an introverted person. But you see them when they are seeing their favorite soccer player doing all sorts of tricks and scoring goals, how they are almost going to take off their shirt and paint themselves on their chest and on their belly, expressing their love for their team. And it's amazing that th that same person will come into church and will say, yes, God is indeed awesome. He is wonderful. He is indeed the most amazing person that I've ever met. And you will not see any true reflection of worship coming from the heart. John chapter 4, verse 22 to 24, Jesus is meeting a Samaritan woman at a well in Samaria, and the controversy here is that the Samarians mixed together with the with um, the 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 Assyrian army 
when they came in. And so they were sort of deemed to be sellouts because these were the people from Nineveh that were enemies of Israel. And so there was this separation in the kingdoms. And so these, these Samaritans, there was this racial tension between the Samaritans who were almost Hebrews, almost Israelites, and then the Jews or the Israelites. And so Jesus meets, meets this woman at the well and begins to tell her her life story about her husbands and all of that and her lifestyle. And she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then she begins to affirm that, you know, our father Jacob told us that we are to worship at this mountain. And Jesus then begins to respond. And he says in verse 22, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And then it says, verse 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must, his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus tells her, look, there comes a time, there will come a time when you will neither worship at this mountain or over there, but that worship will be in spirit and in truth. And Jesus is saying here that God wants worshipers who know who they worship and worship him in spirit and in truth. And the, 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 the best exercise that we can do in fostering a deeper lifestyle of worship is in getting to know God. The more we get to know God, the more we will love Him. The more we are acquainted with His majesty and perfection, the more we will give everything in our hearts to love Him, to surrender ourselves to Him, to, to worship Him with our lives. And today we're talking about how worship should be in obedience first. You know, we're going to talk in the last week about how there's, there's this expression of music and song, which is so important. Even in, in the book of Revelation, heaven is, is filled with, with music and, and, and worship and song. But the, the thing that God desires first and foremost is not just our songs and our worship in the traditional sense of coming to church and doing religious things on the outside, but God desires our hearts. That's what he wants. He wants our hearts. In any relationship of any real value, it is the heart that matters. For out of the heart come the true passions re relating to that relationship. And it is so important that we understand that God is not interested only in the outward expression if the heart is not in it. And how are our hearts to be captured? We must come to know Jesus Christ in truth. The best way to worship God is not to sing him another song. Uh, you know, sometimes I meet people, they don't want to give their lives to Christ. They don't want to be born again, but they want to sing the gospel songs. They enjoy putting on a Hill song or a Bethel album or Kirk Franklin or whoever else is a, is a great artist that they relate to, but they don't really have any interest in truly coming into the knowledge and relationship with God. 
And this is a fallacy. It is almost like you're on your way to hell singing songs about the gospel. Can you imagine the contradiction, the paradox of on your way to hell, on your way to damnation, on your way to judgment day, unprepared, singing amazing grace, not partaking of the amazing grace. On your way to hell, singing, uh, oh, happy day uh, when Jesus washed my sins away and not partaking in that reality. Matthew chapter 15, verse 5 to 9, Jesus speaking again. He says that, but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. He's speaking to the Pharisees and how they twist the word of God. And then he says, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. Very interesting. People can be so traditional in the way that they express their music. They might say, no, I only like singing hymns. I only like singing the true Christian music, which is hymns. I can't sing that rock music from, from Hillsong United, and I can't do that hip-hop music from Lecrae and, and those other uh, sellout guys that are bringing demonic sounds into the church. I, I, I can only do, do hymns, you know. It is well with my soul. And, 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 and others like Nearer My God to Thee, and, and, and others like like, you know, all those wonderful hymns that we grew up in. But is your heart in it? Is your heart even in it? And so the traditions give a form of godliness, but many times people are empty in their hearts. And then Jesus says in verse 7, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Verse 8, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Verse 9, they worship me in vain. It's empty worship. You can worship empty, empty, vain worship. Their teachings are merely human rules. And the world is filled with religions. There are many people that mutilate their own bodies in honor to God. There are many who sacrifice their own children in order, in honor to God. There are many who, who explode themselves with, with explosives in honor to God. There are many who do many evil things thinking that they are doing something for God. But their hearts are corrupt and they are doing it for themselves. And self-worship and idolatry is at the core of the lack of true worship. And this is why the gospel is so important. It's an invitation not only to become religious, it is an invitation to know God. And when we know God, true worship becomes a spontaneous response from the heart. From the heart. Verse 8, he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far, far from me. And it is more, God is more interested in your heart not to say that once he has your heart, you will not worship with your expressions on the outside because many people say, yeah, I'm worshiping God inside, in my heart. And they're never excited, they're never expressing. No, 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 no. If it's in the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. But it's possible for people to pretend and have some religious form that has nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ from the heart. 
And it is so important that we have these fundamentals in our hearts. Matthew 22 verse 37 through to 40, Jesus speaking, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 40, he says this, And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that spoke concerning Jesus coming, concerning the way that God wanted things done, is based on a love from the heart towards God. A love from the heart towards those who are made in the image of God. And you need to ask yourself today, where is my heart? I mean, you might be really talented. You might be in a place, I mean, we've, we've seen many times secular artists coming out with a, a Christian album just to capture that side of the market as well, you know. And sometimes they do it in such a way that you, you feel the goosebumps, not that it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but it really tingles the soul because of the talent that comes from God, and yet their hearts are not in it. Their hearts are not in it. I mean, there's a recent album that just came out now that has a lot of controversy recently about whether it's actually coming from the heart. And obviously, we as mere men cannot necessarily look in someone's heart and say, you are not worshipping God from the heart. If they are born again, that's where it starts. But every man must stand with a clear conscience before God that their heart is devoted to God before their lips are uttering devotions to God. And so... I'm going to read for us a couple of verses here about the king Saul whose heart was corrupted because of pride and how that affected his relationship with God. And it speaks of how worship starts from the heart in obedience to God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. You know, we have a very emotional understanding of love in our culture. Uh, love is just a feeling. Love is just an emotion, a rush. You know, I love my dog. I love my meat pie. I love my shirt. I love my car. I love my wife. I love my children. And I love God. You know, that word just really makes us everything into a superficial word, which means nothing. But true love has an element where you lay down your life for the sake of the one whom you love. That's love. In marriage, if you love your spouse, lay your life down for them. If you love your children, lay your life down for them. If you love God, lay your life down for Him. If you love Jesus, lay your life down for Him. Don't just lay your songs and your lyrics down, but lay your life down. All right, so I'm reading from 1 Samuel chapter 15, starting in verse 9. So God gave an instruction that Saul was supposed to obey, the king of Israel was supposed to obey, they were going to go into war, and the instruction was kill everything, take everything out. And explaining as to why God did that, we'll talk about that in another message. And it says, but Saul and the army spared, they didn't kill Agag, who was the king of the, uh, of the enemy, and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. They spared. They didn't kill that. They were supposed to kill uh, the humans and the animals. Kill everything. 
These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Verse 10, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, the prophet, and he said to Samuel, verse 11, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. And so God speaks to Samuel and he says, Samuel, I know I told you to go and anoint Saul because the, the people of Israel wanted a king, which wasn't the first plan we had, but when they pressed and pressed, then God said, okay, give them what they want. And now Saul has not obeyed the Lord and Samuel is grieving for him. Verse 12, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul had gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. Look at this. Look at the pride in Saul's heart. The man who was supposed to be blessed by God, given the opportunity to lead the nation under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He is now disobeying God's instructions and creating monuments and, 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 and statues in his own honor. And it says, and he has turned and gone down to Gilgal. And verse 13 says, when Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. Look at the lingo. <laughs> the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of, what is this lowing of cattle that I hear? So obviously Samuel is already coming from the presence of the Lord, having wept the whole night, grieving of what's happening in this man's life. He is on a, uh, on a course of disobeying God and worshiping himself. And now he's lying about what he's doing for God. He's saying, look, I've done everything that God asked me. And so Samuel is challenging him. And sometimes that's what is required for us to realize that we're not worshiping God by just lifting our hands and in our songs and pretending to be Christian. We need to be confronted in our lifestyles. And someone needs to say, if you say that you have followed Jesus, then what is the bleating of sheep that I hear? What is the fruit of this disobedience that I hear? And then he continues, verse 15, Saul answers. Look, the soldiers brought them. <laughs> Look at the blame. Immediately, he worships himself, he disobeys God, then he blames the soldiers. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. And Samuel says, verse 16, enough, enough. Samuel said to Saul, let me tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. Look at Saul, he says, tell me. <laughs> Look at his arrogant response. Already Samuel is expressing and saying, look, enough, enough of this lying and misleading and cheating, all right? Enough of this uh, backhanded type of uh, pretend worship, all right? Enough. And then he says, let me tell you what God is saying. And, and Saul, almost with an attitude, says, okay, tell me, tell me. Verse 17, Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king 
over Israel, verse 18. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Verse 19, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the sight or in the eyes of the Lord? We're talking today about how worship is in obedience first. Before we go sing songs, before we bring sacrifices to God, before we come and claim to live in the truth, we must have an obedience towards God. Verse 20. But I did obey the Lord. Saul said, look at the self-justification. This is classic of self-worship and idolatry. You become self-deceived. You can't help it. Once you don't worship God, you will worship something else or someone else if it's not you yourself. And that's what the atheist is dealing with. He says, I don't believe in God. I don't worship God. So what do you do? I do only what pleases me because you are the God in your life. And so this is what's happening to Saul. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on a mission. The Lord assigned me and I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers, the soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder and the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. It's shocking. It's shocking. The blame, the denial, the self-justification, the heart is corrupted and he claims to worship God. And this happens in our lives as well. How many of us have not lived a double life on the one side, claiming that we're doing what God is expecting of us, but only doing enough to look religious and to be accepted among the, those who, 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 whom you're trying to impress. And yet in God's eyes, God who sees the heart, you, you cannot say that you can fool him. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. And it is easy it is easy. What God wants is your heart. Give him your heart. Before you give him your obedience and pretense, obedience and worship and sacrifice, give God your heart. Give him your all. That is what God wants. And then it continues in verse 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? <laughs> as much as in obeying the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed or to listen and to obey is better than the fat of rams that you bring and you burn as a burnt offering unto the Lord. Verse 23, for rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. And this is what happens in our hearts. If we don't understand that our lives are to be continuously worship unto the Lord in the way, firstly, that we obey God, then we will slip into a subtle idolatry that will not only destroy our lives, but will deceive those around us. And then it says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Jesus said it. He said, not everyone that calls me Lord, Lord, will enter my kingdom. 
Not everyone that calls me Lord, Lord, and they will say, no, but I did this religious thing and I did that religious thing. And this is what Jesus will say, depart from me, you who work iniquity, you who work lawlessness, you who don't obey when I ask you to do something, you whose heart I have not known, depart from me, I do not know you. And God is calling us today to a place of repentance. We are talking about worship for the next few weeks. And this is the start of it. Before you even think of, okay, let me put on some worship music. Check your own heart and begin to consider, have I repented in the areas where I know God is convicting me? Let me repent today. Let me change my ways today. Let me come to God in open honesty, in, in open honesty, not, not like so justifying myself, explaining things away, but in open frank honesty and saying, Lord, this is where I am. If you're struggling with something that is an addiction or something that you feel you can't get rid of, you come to the Lord and say, I need your help, Lord. You come to the leaders, you come to your connect group leader, you confess it and you say, I need help, pray for me. And this is what the word of God says. If anyone is struggling in any area, let them call and let them get prayer. And if they are sick, they'll be healed. And if they have sinned, their sins will be forgiven and wiped and removed. And there's a way that God helps us in worshiping him in obedience by the Spirit of God, not by some legalistic rules that we're trying to follow or trying to obey God in our own strength, but by His Spirit, when we come to Him in humility, in humility, worship to God demands humility. Worship to self is, the, is, is as a result of a lack of humility and pride, but worship to God is a fruit of our humility, our dependence on him, recognizing that he is indeed great. And so over the next four weeks, may the Holy Spirit convict you in your lifestyle. Are you living a life that says, Jesus is all? Are you living a lifestyle that says, I follow Jesus first, I obey him First, no matter how much pain it may cause me or others, I follow Jesus first. And I tell you, it is the blessed life. It is the way to be more of a blessing to everyone that you claim to love. It's to love God first. It's to love God first. And you know what? We love Him because He first loved us. We have this gift to worship God because he first sent his son to die on the cross for us. We were not in any way inclined to worship the true and living God, not at all. Nobody is righteous. No one seeks God. There are people who say, no, there are unsaved people out there. They're just lost, but they actually desire to seek God. The word of God says we have all gone astray. Each one is pursuing his own way. None of us even desire God. In fact, we, we hate him. And God sent the Son to die in the place of those who were enemies of God. And by the grace of the Spirit of God, we now have this time before judgment when the Spirit of God is convicting men and women of sin and righteousness and judgment and provoking a hunger for righteousness, provoking a desire for God. And that begs our response of humility in saying, Lord, I give you my all. I will from today 
worship you in my obedience. If you have your elements of communion, get them now. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me, because as we are worshiping God, we are understanding the foundation where we stand is Christ's cross, his sacrifice and his death and resurrection. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the bread that represents the body of Christ, the true worshiper of God, the one who loved God with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his strength, who cried, it is finished, poured himself out, and who loved his neighbor, who loved us, even as he loved himself. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for healing and miracles. Heal the hearts of those who are hardened, Lord God, who don't worship you in their obedience, but only in song. Father, let this bread be transformational this, this day, Lord, as we partake of it. Thank you, Lord. Let's partake of the bread. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As someone watching, you're really, really feeling guilty concerning the double life that you've lived. And God is saying, I'm waiting for you to come. Just give your whole life. There's no other way. It's not uh, something that will happen spontaneously. This is your moment as God is speaking to you right now. Just say, Lord, thank you for speaking to me. I'm coming home. I'm giving you my whole heart. From today, everything changes. Say these words and you will see the Spirit of God touching you. On the same night, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And we have this precious blood of Jesus because Jesus was willing to lay down his life for us. If God was willing to send his son, he will be willing to receive us in the truth and sincerity of our worship in obeying Him. And this is my prayer that us as a church and everyone watching, that you will worship God in obedience first. First, before you sing wonderful songs, in obedience first. Let that be the wonderful fragrance of your life. And let the blood of Jesus as the forgiveness of sins is, is flooding your life. Let that begin to be the motivation for your obedience to Christ. Let's partake of the cup. Father, we thank you, Lord, that there's nothing in us, Lord, of ourselves that would want to worship you in truth. Lord God, we worship trees and, and, and wood and stone and gold and money and mortal human beings and animals and the sun and the stars. And you have created us for the glory of worshiping the true and living God. And today I pray, Father God, that there will be a revolution, a complete change in our hearts and minds as a church, as a community, Lord God, that from today worship will break forth in our obedience that we will do everything we do as unto the Lord, that our hearts will be broken in tears, Lord, in the areas where we are disobedient to God, because we know that it is not true worship. 
I pray, Lord, for the grace to be released this morning that every one of us will be able to experience, Father God, your strength and your empowerment and your grace in obedience to you as our first place of worship. We honor you, we worship you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So I want to encourage you to continue watching your life and live in obedience, not to try and earn God's favor, but because he is worthy, because he is worthy, we then respond with our worshipful obedience. May the Lord continue to open your eyes to his goodness, and we will see you soon. God bless. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.